What is up, everybody? We are back with another episode of Shaping the Cultures. We're back. Season two. Hey. <laughs> we got some things in store for you guys. Yes, sir. Make you sound excited, man. I am excited, man. I've been <laughs> waiting for a couple months for this, so <laughs> let's get back to it, man. We got some surprises, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> a few. A few. I'm excited. Starting with our uh, episode for today, just the person we got interviewing. I'm really excited about this. Oh, yes. Uh, we're going to be talking about justice um, in today's episode, mm. but before we get to uh, the person we're interviewing, um, we just wanted to address this because we feel like this is something uh, the church has been very silent on um, and something that the church needs to be uh, outspoken about on, I should say. And so I think like, you know, the world is waiting for the church and the church has answers that will really revolutionize the way we go about dealing with issues in the world. And so I think um, you can't change what you're afraid of. And so I think a lot of the times people are afraid to engage in these topics because, I don't know, maybe they don't want to get their hands messy. Maybe they don't want to get too controversial. Uh, but as we look at Jesus and his life, this man was extremely controversial um, and he only was controversial when he stood for truth and so sometimes truth can be controversial I don't know what do you think yeah man I think this is a, a, a long overdue uh, I mean conversation that, that we could that we could host so I'm excited to get into it with um, who we got today um, this morning um, but man there's so much to, to, to talk about I'm, I'm just excited just looking over these questions and, and just seeing Oh man, what what it could just branch out into, you know? Um, Let let's start with this. Why why do you think it's important for us to address social justice? Man, uh, what is it to you? To me, uh, we 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 got to man. Um, it, it's, especially when, when you when you when you look back at history and you and you see man like what what the church was doing in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and and even in the 80s from there on, yeah. you, you, you kind of ask yourself, like, Yo, what, what happened? Like, what, <laughs> what happened? Like, like what, 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 did we, what did we lose here? And, and obviously, we, we lost a number of leaders, obviously. Like if, you, if you just read a couple textbooks, it isn't hard to, to realize that. But just, man, we, it, it's, it's sad that, that we got into this, like, hypocritical, like, theology of just overlooking justice throughout the Bible and even just looking at what the cross was, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and God, like, exemplifying his nature of justice, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. in, in a price having to be paid. Right. And then you see believers completely ignoring, like, that nature of God, that side of God. Of, like, he, his, I, the Lord, loves justice. I, I, I'm forgetting where in the Old Testament that was, but yeah. that, that line has been really sticking out to me ever since yeah. um, we had the Flannel Castile here in Minnesota on uh, Falcon Heights. Um, but man, like, I, the, love, I the Lord, love justice. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, you, like, mentioned something really important. Like, you brought up the cross, and people always bring up the cross as an act of love, but I don't think people realize the yeah. cross was an act of justice speak on as well because God didn't just look at our sins and say, you know what, forget about it. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, you know, I'm just going to forget about it. It's not that big of a deal. It's okay. Uh, yeah, I understand you kind of broke my laws. I understand that you, you know, you did things that didn't line up with what I had for you. Uh, whatever, let's just forget about it. No. Uh, he, there was our sins needed to be atoned for, and so what we see on the cross wasn't just Jesus loving us enough to get us to heaven, but it was loving His standards enough Absolutely. to pay for the price yeah. 
that it would cost us to be a part of his family. And so justice is a huge deal and we see it playing out in the gospel and it literally infiltrates, it literally bleeds into um, the way we should do life. And so, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Let's get into it. You have any last thoughts before we uh, bring our speaker in, our guest? Man, honestly, I'm just ready to, 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 to get snatched. I'm just ready to, to get laid out, man. Um, I'm just excited to, to listen, to hear, and to learn, man. I don't think they're ready. I don't <laughs> I'm think be so honest. either, but... Um, I, I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I, I think I'm, I'm going to have to run through this uh, podcast a couple a couple times. Yep. Um, Take some notes if you're listening. No, for real. Yeah. Yeah, for real, man. Share whatever you need to do, because I think our churches need to hear this. Especially if you're like me and Mickey and you come from the Abisha community. Wow. Uh, this is something... Something that wow. uh, we have failed <laughs> in mm-hmm. addressing or, I don't know, kind of learning, mm-hmm. um, being about it, taking action in. I've, I've literally heard people tell me, you know, I've left the church because I felt like God didn't care about justice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's like, that's tragic. And so yeah. uh, we, you know, there's a lot of pain in that. And so we kind of want to take our steps um, into the direction of bringing justice here on earth. And mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah, any other thoughts before we get into it? No, man, I, I, I'm, I'm ready to get into this. All right, let's do it. All right, so the guest that we have for today is Pastor Leon Crump out of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, personally, extremely excited about this. This is a man that I look up to um, a lot. I really enjoy his messages online. Uh, he's just inspiration. He be in the gym getting an in. This dude is swole. Uh, I don't just look up to him spiritually, but man, in the gym too. I'm trying to be like him. Um, and so uh, he's just uh, he's just a great voice for our culture and our time. And so I'm excited uh, for that. So we have Pastor Leon here with us. How you doing, Pastor? <laughs> no, we, we thank you, man. I meant everything I said. We're really excited to have you here. It's an honor. Well, it's a privilege of mine as well. Thank you so much, man. I, um, I'm i so thankful for young brothers like yourself who are uh, making a dent and making a difference. And in any way I can assist in that, man, it's, just, uh, it's God's grace. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. So uh, we want to we want to talk about social justice with you. And so we, we just had some questions for you. And so let's let's just get right into it. The very first thing uh, that uh, I kind of want to discuss with you is, uh, you know, does the church have a role to play in social justice? You know, I've kind of seen the church quiet down the last few years or the last couple of decades. But uh, does that mean that that's you know that that's something that the church should step up in? Is that something that we should step up in? Uh, what, what what do you say about that? Well, my my first and immediate response is yes, absolutely. Hmm. Um, the church's role is a redemptive agent in the world, and to limit that to um, to this westernized, mostly westernized idea of uh, individualistic private salvation mm. uh, that is uh, that is set apart from worldview, set apart from uh, our posture in the culture, set apart from our role in the public square. Uh, it's not only a fairly new invention, it's almost a, uh, a particularly Western invention. Mm. Yeah. And so when you go through the scriptures, uh, particularly 
definitely in the Old Testament, but definitely in the New as well. There are layers and layers and layers of social implications yeah. for how God's people represent God with respect to the poor, the disenfranchised, the marginalized, yeah. uh, the the uh, the ostracized, the broken, those who are on the fringes of society, or those who uh, would otherwise face not only personal but structural injustice. It's yeah. all over the Bible. Yeah. Uh, and so to to truncate the gospel and then therefore truncate the church's role with respect to that is a gross misrepresentation mm. not only of the word uh, but but of God himself and how he postures himself in Deuteronomy 10 and Micah 6, 8 and Amos uh, and even Jesus in the temple in the New Testament when he went in with whips and turning over tables yeah. it was a worship issue but mm. it was also a justice issue mm. because the, uh, the Jews there had set up their money-changing stations in the court of the Gentiles, the only place that right. God feared Gentiles could worship God. And it was purely ethnically motivated that mm. they had done that. So, wow. yes. I love <laughs> it. has a role. Yes. And so, yeah, as, as you alluded, man, you see it all over the scriptures. You see it in the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament. You see it throughout Jesus's ministry. Um, and so if, if this is important for the church, if this is important for the gospel, uh, why do you think the churches are not participating in their role in seeing justice being played out here in the world? Yeah, that's a very complex and layered answer. So I don't want to make it too reductionistic, but let me start here. I think one of the primary reasons is because we have uh, laid a Western individualistic to some degree driven by capitalistic principles, mm. uh, we've laid that ideology over the gospel. Mm. And and somehow we read those letters, which uh, Paul's letters, Peter's letters, First uh, John, yeah. all of those letters are written to groups of people, but we read them singularly. Right. And, and, right. Uh, and for that reason, uh, it makes it easy and, and even defensible at times to make the gospel about the salvation of my soul alone rather than the total cosmic reordering of the brokenness that sin brought into this world. Mm. Uh, but when you get to Revelation 21, 5, it's not just uh, a, a new people, a new ethnos from Revelation 7 to Revelation 9, and it's not just God and his people in Revelation 21, 1 through 5, but it's a new world. It's a new yeah, cosmic creation. In fact, uh, the Greek word there for new heavens and new earth is, is new in quality and kind. Mm. And when you attach that to, to Peter's words in First Peter about uh, the earth and the uh, heavens and the universe melting like wax, burning away, it's that same idea, this purifying fire that is going to affect not only uh, individual human beings, but the social structure, and not yeah. only the social structure, but even the cosmic structure wow. will be affected by the total consummation of Christ's work. And, and I think we've just really detached uh, the gospel as it is taught in this day from that overarching understanding mm. of, of cosmic restoration and how that works down into every area of human society and social life. Wow. Wow, that's good. <laughs> that's a great breakdown. Wow, yeah. Uh, Pastor Pastor Crump, um, Mickey here, co-hosting alongside Pastor Ebenezer. How you um, doing, brother? I'm doing good, sir. How you doing today? I'm well. Good. Um, man, so so 
Man, so, so some things that, that, that I've noticed, that we've noticed, um, is just seeing when, when, when a few of us from, from the church do engage um, in, in, in social uh, justice or, or seeking out justice um, for the wrongdoings of American society, at least in, in our context, um, it, it doesn't go too well or, or, or it doesn't stay too biblical. Um, so a question is like, is there a difference in how the church uh, should see justice and, and act on that? Uh, versus the, the the world the way the world does it and sees justice, um, and how 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 should those two things be be different? Does that make sense? Yeah, the, the yeah it makes it makes perfect sense. So that that was kind of a, a multi question. So let me start with the first part there. Okay. Um, you you have noticed in particular circles, and and that's the only caveat that I would add. Yeah. That in particular circles, yeah. uh, which we will we will label Western evangelicalism, even though that is a very nebulous thing uh, these days. Uh-huh. Uh, but in in Western evangelicalism, in U.S. evangelicalism, yes, there seems to be uh, a rising up of defensiveness of uh, of explaining away or even being accused of politicizing yeah. uh-huh. whenever. A, a believer steps in and speaks up about uh, structural racism or structural inequity uh, and things of that nature. There, there seems to be a, a, a very quick, very forceful rebuffing mm-hmm. almost every time uh, in some circles. And and, uh, and I think the reason why it goes back to that lengthier definition before is somewhere in the uh, you know um, late 17 early 1800s from a good place to some degree and i will say to some degree from a good place the Mm -hmm. gospel and and the robust theological teaching and understanding went insular uh and there there developed this bifurcation between church and world secular and sacred uh which is not in the scriptures and so there was really there was really a, a retreat of the church uh, in in uh, defense against the modern movement and against the uh, the uh, transcendental and existential thought that went along with modernity that tried to water down the gospel and try to water down the effectiveness of it. And so with that retreat has come the long-term rippling effects where if you speak of the gospel, social implications, all of a sudden you're speaking a social gospel. Oh, and those right. are two different things. Right. Those are two very, very different things. Okay. And, and so for those of us who are biblically literate and biblically sound, we're not saying that doing good or fighting for justice is the gospel. Yeah, we're okay. saying that the gospel has implications that extend beyond my personal salvation. Absolutely. And they must push into the broken spheres and thereby mm. broken structures of this world that have been built by, guess what, groups of broken people. Wow. And, and that's what's so fascinating to me, is the gospel can save the sinner, okay? But a group of sinners who uh, who structuralize their individual racisms and prejudices and supremacies and, and structuralize, and all of a sudden the gospel has nothing to say to that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And that is a complete logical fallacy. So that's part one. Part two, mm-hmm. how do we differentiate what we do from the world? Well, the why is the reason. Right. Uh, believers don't seek justice just for the sake of justice. Uh, and they don't seek it in any self-serving way. They seek it to the glory and honor of God. And they seek it so that this world, and this is something that I teach uh, with renovation, uh, that all of our efforts 
and ideologies that plague the most marginalized in society, our efforts are so that we would see this world in which we live more readily reflect the world to come. More readily reflect the kingdom that Jesus said was in breaking with his coming. And, and when you read the Gospels through that lens, you see that the kingdom was not just proclamation, it was deed. Jesus right. preached good news and then he fed hungry people. Yeah. Uh, he preached good news and he defended prostitutes. He right, preached yeah. good news and he went to great parties and those things were not separated for Jesus. Why in the world would they be separated for his disciples and his church? That's good. You're preaching, man. You're preaching. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, so you, you just literally told us that, you know, the difference between the way the church uh, approaches justice and the way the world approaches justice would be the why, right? We do it from a place of uh, reflecting the world that's to come, you know, redeeming yes. um, the world that God has for us. And so... Um, that, that's a that's a slight difference. And so uh, I guess our next question would be, okay, um, there is a difference and the difference is the why, uh, but should the difference kind of alienate us from working with the world or, you know, helping them out or the world working with the church and bringing about social justice or? Um... Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not because it becomes a witness. Mm. Uh, and, okay. and right now our witness is actually quite poor mm -hmm. because where we should be fighting for dreamers who have been in this country all of their life and know nothing of the country from which they came, yeah. where we should be fighting for them because they are image bearers of God and we should be a witness to the world right. to say these people, before they are Americans, before they are citizens, they are image bearers of God and so they matter. Yeah. Their lives matter. Yeah. And, and therefore, we, we cannot support or validate anyone who would call a particular place an asshole because of the people that come from there or the poverty in which they exist because they are image bearers yeah. of God. Yeah. And, and so, uh, right now, our witness is poor because we have actually aligned ourselves, the church at large, especially here in the U.S., has aligned ourselves more with Western ideology than with biblical principles. Come on. And, and so, uh, not only should we work with the world to see justice, but we should do so loudly mm. uh, and and fervently, sharing the why of our work, so that they would see yeah. the witness of the true church, That's good. so that they might be converted, so that their why for justice would change too. Yeah, Ooh. that's yeah. good. Yes, sir, man. Um, sort sort of sort of switching switching uh, uh not not gears but um going going off of the foundations of justice here um man we just want to head into um in, in Lecrae's song facts off of um his his recently uh released album in the fall you say uh, reconciliation or conciliation requires defrauded parties to be made whole not just apologizing for the offense. So our question is, uh, well, our first, our first part of this question is, is why do you mention both reconciliation and conciliation? Do you believe that there was never a conciliation to begin with? And then secondly, what, what does it look like to be made whole? Yeah, yeah. So first let me say, I'm proud of that brother Jack and my samples. <laughs> it's still pending, huh? <laughs> Did, did, did he, did he tell you? I'm still paying my tithe, Pastor. I'm still paying my tithe. 
did, he, did he tell you ahead of time that he was going to use uh, part, of, part of your sermon? Is it from he a sermon? Did he didn't tell yeah, me. He didn't tell me. No, no way. No, he, he, he didn't. Uh, and when he showed him on the song, I thought it was really cool. And I, and I felt honored, but I always give him a hard time. Because, you know, I see him tweet stuff or write stuff. And I'm like, man, you know you said that, heard that in church. Come on. And you added one, little, you added one word to it, so you don't have to Come on. That's all right. You better secure the bag, Pastor. Secure the bag, Pastor. <laughs> Come on. But, um, but, but to your question, um, yes. that is a, a snippet. Uh, of something that I said much more robustly. Okay. Because I began by talking about the reconciliation. Okay. And then I correct and then I corrected myself. Uh-huh. Because because the, the word reconciliation, reconciled, means that at some juncture we were in fact consigned. Mm. Okay. Okay. And, and that and that was what I was pressing on in that statement and, and uh, in the fuller definition of what I was saying there was that uh, that one we cannot be reconciled because in in some ways and to some degree in this nation we are not consigned. Come on. Uh, we, we don't have a history of conciliation. We don't have a history of, of unity. Uh, our history is much more divided and broken and shattered and, and layered with horror stories than it is any idea of kumbaya. I mean reconstruction <laughs> in this country lasted just over a decade and undid all of the work that it did yeah. uh, in, in, in a shorter time than it took to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, uh, to your first question, yes, I was tossing out reconciliation from conciliation okay. in that uh, in that you cannot be reconciled where you were never consigned. Okay. So that's part one. And, and part two, uh, that idea that, that um, the far parties be made whole is right. a biblical idea. Uh, in the Old Testament, um, it was uh, it was the Jubilee year uh, where lands were returned, even if they were lost justly. And there was an idea that that uh, society as a whole took responsibility for society, particularly those that they defrauded. Mm-hmm. And then in the New Testament, in the story of Zacchaeus, which is the most powerful example, in my opinion, uh, everybody knows it. Who knows the Bible? Zacchaeus is in the tree, sees Jesus. Yeah. Jesus says, "Come down. I'm going to have dinner at your house tonight." Yeah. Which was great because Jesus didn't invite, you know, Jesus didn't ask to come over. He just said, I'm coming over. Uh, and, and when he comes over for dinner, Zacchaeus begins to tell Jesus what he's been up to. Yep. He says, everyone that I have defrauded, yep. I've paid back four times yeah. what I owe them. And I've taken half of all that I own and I've given it to the poor. Right. Wow. And Jesus' response is... Salvation has come to this house. Now, if we are good exegetes and we don't believe in salvation by works because we know that salvation is by grace through faith, then either Jesus has contradicted that teaching Hmm. in responding to Zacchaeus' efforts by saying that they have somehow saved him, or Jesus is saying that Zacchaeus' efforts is a reflection of the fact that he's truly been
Zacchaeus example. Yeah. There, there's a requirement uh, biblically for the Jew. It was returning back two times. So that's where you see the abundance too of the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. Is is the law required that He pay back double? Zacchaeus said, "No, I'm going to do it four times. Mm. I'm going to show the abundance mm. of the grace that I received." Wow. Wow. And, and so, in order for true conciliation to take place, then those who have been defrauded, who have been debased, who have been abused, who have been diminished in their image bearing, to some degree there has to be a material effort to see them restored at least to a starting place where they can then be responsible for their own future and and to some degree, of course, under the grace of God, uh, uh, take their own future in their hands. So, Pastor, is, is what you're saying you're all for reparations? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I hear. <laughs> Absolutely and unapologetically. It was a promise. Yeah. That was never fulfilled. Yeah. That was reneged on. Uh our country's work and I love our country. I really do for yeah. the most part. But but our country's work was almost explicitly built on the backs of people for free labor. Yeah. Yeah. And and so to say that because that was then and this is now Minnesota and um, you know a couple years ago in 2016 when the whole Philando Castell um, situation happened um, we as a community were heartbroken um, here uh, in Minnesota and so I uh, I just got online started doing some research trying to do some studies and trying to figure out how could I how could I encourage um, our people here and how could I how can I help them go in a direction that honors God and is about bringing justice? And so I came across uh, your sermon series you did on justice when doing so. And I heard you saying in one of your sermons that as you were speaking out about the injustice that the African-American community faced in America from the pulpit, which I, I want to say thank you for doing that because right. we don't have a lot of people doing that from yeah. the pulpit. Yeah. Uh, but as you were doing thank that from, you. yeah, as you were doing that from the pulpit, I think, I, I, I don't know if this is the exact number, but you said you lost 120 members. Um, and uh, just, it was closer to 150, bro. Wow. So, I, I mean, my, my I was blown away. And so I just kind of want to ask you, what was that like? How did that feel? Was that discouraging? Um, did that encourage you to speak all the more boldly about this mm-hmm. issue from the pulpit? Like, mm-hmm. what? how did you process that? That's not an easy thing. Mm. Um, 
known uh, weddings I'd done, um, oh. hospital beds I'd stood beside, family members I'd prayed for, mm. uh, some that I had baptized. Wow. And, and to, to have that, my desire to, and if you heard it, then you remember my exact words were, you know, I know you don't understand everything. Yeah. Uh, if you're, if you take, if you have this view from one particular vantage point, but here's what I'm asking you: to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. Yeah. yeah. That's all I asked. Yeah. Um, and uh, we began to hemorrhage, and some of them, some of them were kind enough on the way out to, uh, to at least confront me. And I say kind enough because. Even though there were uh, a mixed bag of accusations that, in turn, were equally hurtful, mm. at the very least, we got to have a conversation on the way out. Right. Yeah. And, and, it, and it was the same types of accusations. You become too political. You mm. no longer preach the gospel. Yeah. This used to be a gospel church. Now, now it's you know uh, you're a leftist. You're a Marxist. Mm. It was insane. Wow. Uh, the accusations. A Marxist. From, from people, <laughs> Wow. Yes. That quick. Uh, from, pe- from people that I had pastored at, at that point for three to four years. Man. Man, uh, that quick. And so, um, yeah, you know, processing that was, was incredibly painful, incredibly difficult. Uh, but at the same time, to, to answer the second half of your question, yes, it did embolden me. Hmm. It absolutely emboldened me because with that loss, we, we lost some um, some significant contributors to our to our church mm-hmm. yeah. uh, um, people who carried a, a a pretty great deal of our budget right. uh, just on their own right. and and God sustained us wow. and, and so after that uh, I was emboldened because I knew uh, I knew that our cause was right I knew that that my motivation was a gospel motivation. It was not uh, any political uh, motivation at all, but yeah. it was to see God's people, see God's heart right. for the uh, for the oppressed and the marginalized properly. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew God would sustain us. And so, That's good. Uh, so because of that, yeah, I became more bold. And, and listen, it wasn't just within our church. I mean, the, the number of speaking engagements that I used to get began to slow down dramatically. And so we were, we were impacted, uh, at every level, uh, financially and and otherwise, but God has not only sustained us, but we've thrived through Mm -hmm. that. And, and our church has grown, uh, and, and we continue to have the opportunity to steward a gospel that is as big as the Bible would have it be and not limited to individual salvation and private relationships with Jesus. That's mm. good. That's mm. good. Well, well, Pastor Leon, um, so, so, we, so we kind of uh, established, like, t- talking about justice from a, from a general sense, biblically, and what our role is as a church, and then just now talking about and hearing about how it went down at, at your church, um, Renovation Church in Atlanta, um, but now even just heading it into the home. So, for, so for for any any of our listeners that that are not uh, too familiar with with Pastor Leon's, uh, uh, Pastor Leon's, uh, you are uh, of what ethnic background? Uh, well, uh, it's all of my police stops say I'm black. 
<laughs> but, <laughs> but you're a mixture. <laughs> Okay. And Native American and Irish. And Irish. And, uh, and if you look close enough, it's apparent. Yeah, I, I, I have a running joke that I've been triply oppressed in this country. <laughs> <laughs> uh, many, many people don't know this, but the Irish were the first slaves in yeah, America. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then the Native That's Americans, and, and then, of course, African Americans. So I'm like, I've gotten it from all angles, man. I couldn't even catch a break as a white man. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> man. <laughs> So, 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 for any listeners who are new to you, uh, Pastor Leon's is a, a black pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. All right, um, but now, uh, uh, Pastor Leon's, uh, your wife is of what ethnic background? She is white and Portuguese. All right, all right. So, uh, yeah. our, our our question is: When meeting your wife, was she woke or was she slept? <laughs> Uh, and I and I gave her a way 
her worldview about how she felt about even some of the things that she had heard around her own home right. growing up. Right. And so, um, so I, I can say without a doubt, and I, my wife is one hundred percent in my corner. Mm. Um, I've never doubted it one day. Uh, you know, I actually put up a post on Instagram a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you saw it, Ebenezer, but my son was sitting at the counter at my home, and my wife had picked his hair out. He's got big old, big old froze. Incredible. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it looks like Kaepernick, but like me. Uh, and so, uh, <laughs> you know, in the background, my wife was going, say it loud. And my son's going, I'm black and I'm proud. Hey. And, Man. And, hey. <laughs> encouraging to hear that you know you can have people like that in your life and somebody as close as your spouse yeah. you know in the home in the home yeah, with the kids like that too yeah man. yeah man yeah we uh, uh so my you know my daughters my daughters know they're black right. and they'll tell you they're black <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and my son knows he's he's uh he's a young black man Start him young. He's Start already saying young. man. Uh, com- uh, com- um, 
comfort comfort one another um, in this season and in, in this culture that we're in and in this time that we're in because it is a discouraging time and uh, people are growing weary and tired and um, so yeah what, what was that conversation like with Lecrae and, and what's your advice for us and how to go about it uh, for one another Uh, Misconceptions uh, 3? Yeah, I think it was Misconceptions 3 off his last yeah. mixtape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, 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 on the last mixtape. Yeah. Um, what was that conversation like? Um, so, Cray and I actually have a beautiful relationship because it's not paternalistic. We're brothers. We're actually frat brothers, too. Oh, um, dope. Is it, is it uh, Kappa's there, was it? Yeah, we're both Kappa. There you go. Um, actually, I've got three Kappas on my staff. It's hilarious, man. All these converted Kappa men. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but he also honors me as his pastor. He knows that he can tell me anything yeah. um, and, and that I'm not going to be caught off guard by that or, or even bad an eye. And so when he was struggling through the attacks and, and – um, in the letters, I mean, brother, it was far more than he even shared. Let me just say that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, we just had we just had honest conversations, and and we laid it all out. And so, I, I will say to you exactly what I said to him. Um, one, I said, remember that uh, that the Bible is written to the oppressed, mm-hmm. not to the oppressor. Mm-hmm. That's key. Uh, no. It's written for the oppressor and the oppressed, mm-hmm. but it's written to the oppressed. That's good. And the Bible and that's the good. Bible is written from the vantage point of oppressed peoples. Absolutely, that's huge. Um, and, and God's engagement with them, and you see that from start to finish. Jesus, yeah. Jesus, wow. part of the reason he went to the cross is because he would not be a ruler, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and and operate in his power. Yeah. And, and I said so. So you got to understand first, Cray, that Jesus knows exactly how you feel right now. Mm-hmm. He was maligned. He was accused. He was misrepresented. He was lied on. He was lied to. He was abused. He was taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. And eventually it cost him his life. He had, it, it, it was to the point of death for him. And neither you nor I have suffered yet to the point of death. So that's part one. Part two is remembering that we are in one particular arc of history. Mm. And this is something that, that I believe all ethnic minorities, mm. particularly African Americans, need to do for themselves, and that is be well-read and invested historians. Yeah. Because when you look at this period of time in the arc of history, it's only telling one part of the story. There yeah. were great African civilizations uh, before Europe was even a developed nation, uh, there were uh, great African kings when Europeans were still living in tribes. Speak about and, it. and that's not to be denigrating or diminishing to him, to them, but rather to say that history through the lens of the West is not accurate and actual history. It is a snapshot mm, yeah. uh, of a long arc that is headed toward consummation and kingdom. Come on. Uh, and, and that's not to produce an ethnocentrism that is unhealthy, mm-hmm. but to to put forth a healthy reminder 
people too uh, have a great wealth of knowledge and and creativity and have produced works of art and works of uh, of fiction and nonfiction and, and invented math uh, uh, to some degree. And those are important things for people to know. It's, it's important for people to know, and this is the thing that got Cray, and, and I remember that conversation, and he's actually said it since. This is one of those things I get my heart out about. He said, you know, my church didn't need reform. Well, he had that prayer out of my mouth. Because I told him that, uh, that Christianity was on the continent of Africa yeah. before it ever hit Middle Europe or Eastern Europe. you know this but we're ethiopian and so we we're we're really when i, when I saw your picture i knew you were ethiopian really was it the forehead that gave it uh-huh. away <laughs> uh it's, it's your cheekbones <laughs> oh okay that's awesome yeah it's some cheekbones i know man look i got a lot of ethiopian homies man so yeah. I know right away. they love atlanta these uh, ethiopians man they, they man do. they Oh yes, man. 
That's good. That's rich. Man, you, you shared a lot of gems with us today. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this a few times, take mm -hmm. some notes. Man, we, we really appreciate you and thank you for your time. Um, it, was, uh, it was very, I enjoyed this a lot. I yeah. don't know, Mickey, how you felt about it, but. Yeah, um, but, but uh, Pastor, um, be, before we let you go here, I, I, I have to, out of the conviction of my spirit, ask you this question. Um, how have you and your household been preparing for Black Panther? How excited are you guys? Are you guys going as a unit? Is there like uniforms involved? Uh, how is this playing out in Atlanta? Brother, uh, my KK cloth is prepared. Come on. Uh, I, I will be going in three ways. I'm not making this up. Uh, me and my discipleship group, which are my four, uh, four of my, or three of my staff pastors, who are really my best friends, they help plant the church with me. Uh, one one black dude, two white dudes. We're going on over the night at ten thirty. Oh yes. Then then my brother, uh -huh. who works works for the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he lives in D.C. He's wow. flying in. We're we're gonna go see it on Friday. Okay. okay. Phase three. Then then on Sunday, mm -hmm. me and my wife and my two oldest children are going to see it together. Man. So I'm gonna hit it three times, brother. Can't be all, all black. <laughs> yeah. All black. <laughs> you guys ready to go? I like. I might bring the grill and just grill out right there. I'm so excited. I'm doing the same thing in, in our community here. I'm, I'm so excited. I, I've, I've actually been I, been, I went out to Walmart and, and, bought, and bought the action figure. And I've, been, I've been carrying T'Challa in my, in my jacket. Literally, when I say right. when I say everywhere I go, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Brother, my son, my son sleeps with a T'Challa action figure See? every night. Come and, on, and has for a year. Man, this is good. This is good. This is <laughs> every night, bro. This every is night, good. He, he, he says he needs Black Panther and his lion that I brought him back from Africa when I went to uh, Uganda. I brought him a stuffed lion back. Uganda, he man. Man, this is good. <laughs> just, just, just that this past weekend we, we we were hosting the Super Bowl. I, I know you guys are up next next year, Atlanta. Um, I'm, I'm excited for y'all. But we hosted it this year, and, and, and I had T'Challa in my in my jacket pocket. And and this middle aged white woman, uh, and it's and I'm talking about hundreds of people are around us. She 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 grabs me by the arm and stops me. And, and she says, "Can I, can I please take a picture of of your Black Panther?" Now I, I had forgotten that he was with me. I, I was I was just so in the moment of all all the people and everything happening. I mean, it's the Super Bowl, right? The game is tomorrow night, and, and I'm just like, "Excuse me." And she's your your Black Panther. And she's pointing at my chest, and she kind of just take a picture oh of you with, with T'Challa. And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I guess." And, and this is like in the midst of like. A flowing crowd of like a few hundred folks, so it's not even like that's incredible. It was that important. <laughs> that's incredible. Man, it was a moment. This is one of the most. This is one of the most important movies that's been made in a long time. Yeah, yeah seriously. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, our kids. You know, we didn't get to grow up with black superheroes. I didn't learn about Luke yeah. Cage. I was a grown man. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, our exactly. kids, our kids will have black superheroes. Right. Have black Lightning, T'Challa, Luke Cage. Exactly. It's a beautiful thing. Exactly. It's a beautiful thing. Exactly. So I can't wait, man. I can't wait. You know, all we had was Prince. And, I, and that's cool. You know, <laughs> hey, man, but, you know, on. I mean, what he could do musically, he may as well have been a superhero. But 
but you know what I'm saying? Now we got now we got some brothers who got, you know, got the got the gems, got the powers. Exactly. Like, I always been a I always been a comic book guy, man, and I always wanted a black superhero. And yes. I didn't know about black Panther, none of this guy. Yeah. Oh all, all we all we had when I was younger, what was the was the Green Lantern? If you, if you, yeah, John see, Stewart. Yeah, I know, I know, and I, I was mad, but apparently that the, there's some some murmurs happening in in the DC world talking about bringing bringing back uh, a, the the black John Stewart as the Green Lantern. Let me tell you something. I was done with DC when they did that. I, was, I, was never <laughs> I feel you. DC. Yes, yes, yeah. Come, come on. Oh, as a God. Green Lantern. Don't get me started. On, Don't get me started. And it was a horrible movie. It was horrible. Oh my goodness. It was hard. I, I, I mean, the script was so terrible. I don't know if a black man could have saved it. <laughs> I agree, man. I'm glad. I'm glad we, we could connect on that level too, man. I hope you guys enjoy the movie yeah. as much as we will. I'm about to see it on Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. Uh, I don't know if I'll stop, um, but man, thank you for your time again, Pastor Leon's. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to get you to come out here one of these days. So we tried a couple of times that you've been busy. The times we tried to book you, but yeah. we want to bring you out one yeah, time bro. too, for sure. Listen, I would love to, uh, and not trying to big time you or nothing. This is to serve my family. Mm-hmm. You got to give me at least eight months in advance. Okay. Okay. So, so we, so we all sit down and look at your preaching calendar and stuff like that, or, or want to put something together. Um, just go ahead and put that joint in about eight months ahead of time because I try to stay ahead so that my my primary energy is with my family and, and with our church here. Yeah. And I don't want to be I don't want to be a traveling tent evangelist. I want to travel. So yeah, man. When I do travel, I try to schedule it out. Like right now, I'm I'm sent through November. Wow. So wow. That's um, crazy. So if, we, if we're looking at 2019, y'all brothers go ahead and start working on it. Yeah, oh, yeah. We're, we'll do that for sure. Thanks for that heads up. And I appreciate that about you as well. We need more pastors in the local church, yeah. loving their family, loving their church, and yep. being committed to them. Being so, there, yeah. Yeah. So. Amen. Well, y'all pray us. Stay faithful, brothers. For sure. Pray, pray for us, too. We're, we're a young uh, adult ministry hoping to plant a church with that ministry. We won't be young adults forever. And so uh, pray for us as well. So. I will be. I have been, and I will be. Thank you. Thank you. We, so we, we appreciate that, Pastor. All right. Well, All right, Bless you to you. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds Thank good. You. God bless. All right. There you have it. Pastor Leon's Crump with us on Shaping the Culture, Episode 1, Season 2. Come on. That was such a great episode. I love that man so much. I uh, love what he was able to bring to the table today. I hope you guys learned a couple of things. Uh, I know I have. And so just be encouraged, church. Uh, this is our job as well to engage in social justice. Um, God uh, delights in that, and God is about that as we see that in the life of Jesus as well. So, Miggy, any last thoughts before we wrap it up? No, man, I'm just excited for the rest of the season as well, man. Today, today was a, I feel like it was a great start, man. Uh, yeah. Pastor Leons is somebody that we love to hear from uh, and love to, to hear messages from. So, man, I just can't wait to, to get these, these next guests in here and uh, um, go at it, man. Y'all ain't ready. Season two. All right. God bless, guys. Welcome back. Until next time, deuces.